Welcome to the Sports Spectrum Podcast, where faith and sports collide. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This is episode number 46 of the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Jason Romano. It is awesome to have you here on the show today. Uh, as always, you can download our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere podcasts are found. Of course, just hit the subscribe button when you click on it. That allows the podcast to just show up right into your device, your iPhone, your tablet, your Android device, whatever it is. Hit the subscribe button and you are locked in to receive this podcast every time we drop a new episode. And of course, on SportsSpectrum.com, we have daily content posting. All of our podcasts are there as well, are found there. And there's a great opportunity for you to partner with us by clicking the membership button on sportspectrum.com and you become a member of our family for $36 for an entire year, three bucks basically a month, you become a partner. You get our magazine. It's a quarterly magazine that we put a lot of effort in, some really great articles, some really great pictures in, in the most recent issue, which is our football issue. But you get the magazine. You also get to partner with us and become sort of members of what we're doing in terms of the content that we're putting out outside of the magazine. This podcast, for example, your help funding that so we can provide that for free to those that want to listen. You'd help fund the uh, articles that you see, the work that's being done on sportspectrum.com, all of the content, the columns, the the articles, the positive stories that we're sharing about sports and faith and all the good things that athletes are doing. So it's a really neat ministry here and uh, I'm just so proud to be a part of it and we'd love to have you on board as well. So check all of that out, become a member, subscribe and be a partner with us at sportspectrum.com. All right, today's guest, her name is Emily Austin. And Emily worked with Fox Sports Florida. And before that, she was with the Golf Channel. She was with Nextar Broadcasting Group. She had a stint with the Boston Celtics as a digital reporter. Still very young, graduate of Florida Atlantic University in 2011. And as her career was starting to ascend, her broadcasting career, uh, the nightmare occurs for her. And she makes an appearance on a Facebook live chat in June of 2016 which led to her making some racially insensitive remarks, kind of off the cuff remarks, and immediately was dismissed from her job, fired from her job at Fox Sports Florida. And Emily went into a dark place, uh, and you'll hear her story, her very emotional story uh, of what she went through. She owns her mistake. Uh, She knows that she screwed up. She knows that she uh, went down a path that she should not have went down. And But she owns her mistake, and after going through that very dark place for a while, she's trying to change the narrative. She's trying to turn her mess, if you will, into a message and turn something that was just horrific in her life, uh, her identity in some ways with her job, and turning into a positive by encouraging others. And so this is a very emotional interview. Some of you may remember the the incident that happened, and social media in many ways can be a very cruel place. Uh, many people jumped uh, all over her for what she said, and um, and she owns that. She knows what she said was wrong. She knows what she said was was uh, definitely not reflective of who she is, but she owns it. And um, you're going to hear, I think, a lot of that emotion come out of her when we hear her tell her story. So I, I want you to listen uh, closely here to uh, just what she has to say, uh, the message that she's trying to convey now. And then just search your heart in thinking about forgiveness and about second chances and why God is so gracious in his mercy to us every time we screw up. And um, 
why it's so important to cling to him and to run to him during this. Without further ado, here is our interview with motivational speaker and former Fox Sports reporter, Emily Austin. Emily, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about about this. It's a, it's wonderful to talk to you. And uh, before we get to everything that happened on Facebook in 2016 and the aftermath and a mm-hmm. lot of what, unfortunately, you've been known for, per se, for the last year, I want to talk about the, your background a little bit and kind of get to know you a little more before we dive into what happened. Tell us mm-hmm. about being a kid. I know you grew up in the Tampa area in Florida. What were your dreams, your aspirations? What, what type of goals did you have as, as a kid? Yeah, my sports reporting dream was born in seventh grade. Um, I was in class and my teacher <laughs> asked, what do, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I have no idea who thinks about that kind of stuff in seventh grade, right? right. I mean, you have like those, um, you know, crazy dreams that you, I want to be the president of the United States or, you know, something like that. But I really had no, I didn't really put much thought into it. Until that class, when she asked me that question, and I w- she was like, well, if you don't know, what do you enjoy doing? And I'm like, well, I love sports, and I love to talk. And this was before, like, Erin Andrews was big, and there were really any women in sports and in sports broadcasting. So I wrote on my sheet of paper that day that I want to be a sports reporter. And it was one of those being the president of the United States dreams that were just so out of reach and so ridiculous. So... You know, in Tampa, we had a lot of professional teams. Um, my brother played hockey growing up, so that was really the, and he's older, so he always had control of the remote. So I grew up watching hockey and, um, and I was basically, I basically grew up in an ice hockey rink, which is kind of strange, you know, growing up in Florida and in Tampa, you wouldn't really think that, but yeah, I, I, you know, was in ice hockey rink since I was a little girl. And these were during the poopa days of the lightning where, there weren't many fans and um, during those ice palace days, but yes, you know, sports have always been a part of my life. I was an athlete my whole life too. So um, that's, you know, that's kind of where the sports reporting dream started was, was there in Tampa. So where does faith play a role into your, into your life as a kid? Are you, are you introduced to the Lord? Is it something that kind of came a little bit later? Where does faith play a role in your childhood growing up? So we always went to church. We were a family that went to church every Sunday. Um, it was just something that was always a part of my life. But, you know, I think that sometimes people think that, oh, you go to church and everything's fine and dandy, like then you're, right. you know, a Christ follower and everything. But I don't think that until recently, I've really wanted to live and follow the Lord. And, um, you know, we'll talk about like with everything that happened. Um, but I just, I always had, you know, Jesus in my life and going to church and still do today, but I just didn't, I wasn't living for him. And I think that that's really changed, especially in the last 16 months. Um, because I think that there's a big difference. There's a big difference in being a believer and being a believer and a follower. If, Absolutely. If that makes sense. Oh, completely. I, I I agree with that. So as you're growing up and you're starting to take shape in towards in terms of going to college, you end up at Florida Atlantic University and your your majoring in communications and media and broadcasting starts to take shape for you. What is college life like for you during this time? So 
you know, I think that a lot of times, and this is where faith really comes into play is when bad things happen, you don't understand them because, you know, you are just in that moment and you, it's really difficult to take a couple steps back and look at the bigger picture because, you know, God has a plan for everyone. Right. And sometimes when we're going through the, the downs of that plan, you, you question a lot. And I've had a lot of doors closed on me, just like a lot of people have, um, my part of this dream to accomplish being a sports reporter was going to the university of Florida. I took honors classes and college courses in high school, mm. all the extra SATs and everything I needed to do in order to get into the university of Florida. I didn't even consider another school because they have the, one of the best uh, communications programs in the country. So there was just no, nowhere else. Right. For me. Right. Well, I did early decision and I didn't get in and I was absolutely devastated. Um, I really thought that there's no way there's a God. If he, why wouldn't he want this for me? Well, um, a couple in my freshman year of high school, a door closed on me too, because I was the only girl on my travel ball softball team that didn't make her high school team. Hmm. And I'm like, wait a second. I, I, I'm on one of the best travel ball teams in the country. Like why, how, how could I not make my high school team? So then the uh, track coach called the softball coach in high school and was like, did you have any fat girls not make the team? Well, long story short, I eventually started getting much faster and faster and faster. And I had some friends on, you know, my high school team that were being recruited for college. And I'm like, well, if they have people coming to watch them, I need to beat them. (laughs) So like the competitive side of me. So I eventually went to Florida Atlantic to run cross country and track and worked my way to an athletic scholarship. And it ended up being a great place for me to be in South Florida because of the professional teams. And I was able to do internships with the local CBS station down there covering the Marlins and the heat. And I just got great hands-on experience that I might not have gotten in Gainesville. I mean, maybe, but we, you know, you can't, think hypothetically into those um, situations that don't happen. But I just made the most of being down in Florida Atlantic and started my own sports weekly show there and just was doing everything and putting all the time and energy that possible into, um, into achieving this dream while I was running cross country, while I was a full-time server and while I went to school full-time. So I didn't really have much time to do much else. And, um, in college other because I was just so driven and motivated to accomplish this dream. And you make it, you start your career at the golf channel with a stint with Nextar Broadcasting Group. Then you work as a digital reporter with the Celtics. You get a gig in March, 2015 with Fox Sports Florida as a sideline reporter for the Rays. Mm-hmm. Give me a snapshot of life for you in those few years. Cause a lot of this happens pretty quick. We're talking about one year stints for a lot of these jobs. And all of mm-hmm. a sudden in March, 2015, you're a sideline reporter for the Rays on on Fox Sports Florida. Take me through that that time. Yeah, it it seems like it happens fast on paper, but um, in my world, it was like, oh my gosh, I, you know, this is taking forever. Um, yes, I had a lot of success early, and it's because I was so um, driven and motivated. And I sent out. I went online whenever I was in college. Well, first I was like, why isn't ESPN calling me on my graduate? <laughs> day wanting me to be the lead anchor on sports center (laughs) where were you here where (laughs) were you but i think a lot of um the millennials have this have this mindset right like why am i not getting instant success but i think it was good the way things happened because it taught me a lot i sent out this was before youtube really big 
took off, but I sent out snail mail DVDs. I still have like a stack of 20 of them in my room hmm. of my original demo reel out of college. And I put them in, in you know, envelopes and mailed them to about 200 sports directors, news directors across the country, jobs that were available, jobs that weren't available, just to get my name out there, send me back feedback, anything, right? So I almost got a job in Lubbock, Texas, didn't get it. I was one of the two finalists and I was devastated. But meanwhile, I'm working at Golf Channel as a production assistant, learning so much about behind the camera, but I still had this Oh, I want to be in front of the camera. I don't need to know all this behind the camera, which I would come to find out is completely untrue. Nice. Um, so then I eventually get a break and get the job in Amarillo, Texas. I really think I had the most culture shock <laughs> moving from Florida to Amarillo. I'm like, no way there is tumbleweeds are our real life. I thought that was only in that cartoon growing up with the coyote, right? So <laughs> I'm like, and I remember the first month I was there, the news director came into the sports office and was like, Emily, we need you to go storm chasing. I'm like, Miss Nichols, I'm sorry. I'm sports. I'm not the new weather girl. We don't care. Go go storm chase. It's one of our meteorologists. So here I am driving in a Nissan Cube that's probably 13 pounds into this tornado while the meteorologist has this camera on his shoulder like, oh, this is a great shot. And I'm like, I'm going to die achieving this sports reporting dream. But you know, call our high school football and everything was amazing in Texas. And I was the one man band running up and down the sidelines with a 30 pound camera and learning how to edit and produce and do all of that and, and be the one man band. And then I would stay at the station until 3 a.m. every night and post to YouTube videos of my work. And the Boston Celtics found me on the sidebar of YouTube. So social media made me. The internet was my best friend. Um, and then you know, after I had a couple agents looking at me at the Celtics and I went with um, with one of them and they found me the job back in my hometown with Fox. Wow. So let me ask you this before we talk about the incident with Facebook. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk about rejection for a minute. And you mentioned this like three times now in our interview. I don't even have this in my prep or anything, but just listening to you talk about rejection rejected in high school, you know, you're devastated that you don't make the the softball team. You're, you're devastated. You don't get into Florida. You're, you know, you're devastated that you're not getting the job that you were a finalist for down to the final two. So I'm just wondering what your mm -hmm. view was on sort of rejection during that time. This is before June of 2016. What was your view on, on, uh, you know, looking back, were you looking and, and saying, okay, that was a purpose that God had for me, or were you did you learn something specific about that term rejection during those times? Um, it's funny because in the beginning, it was I used it as fuel um, right. when I was sending out those demo reels at Golf Channel. When I didn't get the job in Lubbock, I was about to go in and put in my two weeks to the Golf Channel because I liked behind the scenes at the time, but I just it wasn't for me. Um, so I was going to go on an event. Plane. I'm like, this is just too much rejection. is just, I, you know, some of the critique that I got back was like, your voice is too deep. And I'm like, you sound like a man. I'm like, um, okay, well I definitely can't change my voice. <laughs> right. So there was just things that it was just like, okay, well, these are things that I can't, I'm never going to be able to improve or change. So I almost gave up. And then I don't know, the next day is when Amarillo called. So whenever I was in Amarillo and I got rejected, I was one of the two finalists for the Tampa Bay Lightning web position. Mm. 
when, when I found out on a Sunday, I didn't get that. I was like, here we go. I'm applying for every job and I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to make. So the rejection almost, I almost used it as fuel at that point. And then the next day, the Celtics called me. So whenever I mentor young, you know, up and coming reporters now, I'm like, you have to be able to handle that rejection because it will come. It's not whether it is or it isn't, it will. So I think I just used it as fuel and having that mindset of it only takes one person. These 50 people don't want me, but this one person does. And you know, you just have to take that and run and you have to be able to just have the tough skin to get through it. We're talking to Emily Austin here on the Sports Spectrum podcast. And Emily, you know, people when they hear your name now, you talked about the internet being your best friend and how it helped you get a job. And then in June 2016 comes and it becomes in many ways social media wise your worst enemy so take mm -hmm. us back it's an the unfortunate incident happens while you're still a sideline reporter with the rays not in that specific position it took place on a facebook live chat with barstool sports just take us back to how that moment came to fruition for you like the, the events leading up to it and then we can talk about what happened yeah so i'm in i'm in tampa we're covering the rays and then during basketball the the magic and um, I felt like something was missing every step in my career. Something's always been missing. Um, and I'll get to that more in, in a minute. Um, but I, I was always close with the barstool guys, um, in Boston covering the Celtics. They were just have such a big presence in the Northeast at the time. Mm. Um, and they, you know, would, reach out to me here and there and be like, Emily, we are looking for a girl that is kind of off the cuff, can hang with the guys, funny, but knows her sports. And we're starting this new, like, we are going to be a network one day. Like, we think that you would be a great fit and we want you to come audition. So I'm like, okay, sure. Like, let's just feel it out. I'll go up there to New York. Um, I didn't cover the Rays when they were on the road. I would only cover them at home games. So I had so much time off, right? right? And I think that I'm not making excuses, but I think that I had almost too much time off because it, I just had nothing to do, I felt like. Mm. Um, so I'm like, oh, sure. Like it kind of got me into, into trouble at times. So, or this specific time. So I went up and when I walk in, Dave El Prez is like, oh, Facebook Live. It's this new thing that just came out. Um, we're going to try it today because mm. originally we were just going to tape it. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. What's Facebook live? You know, I've never even heard, yeah. you know, it literally just came out. So, I mean, I, I know better. Um, I'm held to a higher standard as a Fox sports reporter and um, I have a different role than they do. So I should have known, I should have known right there to just be like, guys, I'm sorry. I can't do that. Um, but that's, it, it kind of just happened out of the blue. Like it was just kind of like an invite and Hey, come up and we'll just see how it goes. And, and I just was like, okay, you know, it just happened so quickly. And then, and I'm not going to get into the specifics of what exactly you said. I don't want to repeat it. I don't want it to say it, but if anybody wants to Google it, they can find it themselves. I'm sure that's what's been yeah. happening. It's obviously out there on, on 
Twitter and, and Facebook and even in just Googling it. And uh, that's it was, the power of the internet. It, it is. Go away. And, and that's something you'll learn quickly when, when you say something, even if you delete it or whatever, you can never take it back because it's out there mm -hmm. forever. But it was obviously racially insensitive remarks that were said by you. What do you think? Take us through where you were coming from when you said what you said and then what was going on inside of you at the moment, uh, you know, that the words came out of you. So when I initially sat down or walked in the door, I know Barstool. Like, I mean, whoever knows of Barstool knows that they are inappropriate and they say things um, that are a little controversial. And I had the mindset like, oh, my gosh, OK, I'm not am, am I really auditioning for them? Like, would I really take a job with them? I don't know. Like, yeah. I just thought. Barstool is going to be people are going to be watching. So I need to really be outrageous because if not, then they're not going to think I'm funny. So I'm trying to fit into this unfamiliar environment that I don't, that isn't, that isn't my MO. That's their MO. And I mean, more power to them. They've had a ton of success and I'm more than happy for all of them. Um, I'm still, you know, very close with them, but yeah. I just was, and I put myself in a, situation where I use poor judgment and I kind of just was setting myself up for failure because when I'm saying these things, I'm like, Oh my God, that was bad. Now I need to say something else to make up for it. So it doesn't seem as bad. And then it's just like, you're digging this hole and you're in this deep end where you just have, you can, at first I saw like this raft in the distance and then it just gets further and further and further. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm going to drown in this. And so you you're recognizing stop. you're recognizing right away what what you said. You knew you know the second that you said it that you're like oh that no that it was bad. Oh no. Mhm. Mm yeah. And I and I was I mean if I wasn't wearing a black shirt that day, you would have seen the sweat marks under my arms. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was I knew that I was in trouble, but I was like, "Oh, well maybe to be honest with you, Jason, I thought and this is very naive. This is very ignorant of me to think, but I'm like, there's no way someone's really going to take me seriously. Mm. They say jokes all the time that are so outrageous and, and people don't take them seriously. So they're not going to take me seriously because I'm sitting here. And the reality of it is people are going to take you seriously, not only because of the state of where our country is and our world is today, but like I said, I'm a Fox sports reporter. I'm not a Barstool employee. Like I'm held to a higher standard and I shouldn't say those things. There's a lot of people that look up to me and, you know, I tell these student athletes that I speak to all the time, you have a Jersey on and you're representing someone on the front of that Jersey. I'm representing Fox sports and I cannot say those things. And, um, because that's a reflection of Fox sports as a company and as a network. And, um, you know, I just, I immediately knew that I screwed up. But at the same time, I was like, well, there's no way someone's really going to believe that I think someone's nationality determines his or her intelligence. There's right. just no way. So I was just too naive to understand that. Did you get a call right away? Like, what's the aftermath, right at the immediate aftermath? I want to talk about the aftermath because it's a progress here over yeah. a period of time. But the immediate aftermath you get off this facebook live how quickly are you getting a call are you calling fox are they calling no you? Like, what, what happens there 
So the immediate aftermath was two sections of the Barstool video because, right, Facebook Live and Snapchat and Instagram stories, once they go away, they're gone forever, right? right? Like that's not – like that is the biggest misconception and um, false reality that a lot of people have about social media usage. It doesn't go away. Absolutely. And um, so somebody tweeted at me and at Fox Sports Florida – that was a clip, two clips from the um, from the podcast or the interview um, with Barstool. They vine them together and then tagged Fox Sports and me. And I'm like, oh, God. I mean, this person had 27 followers, but it doesn't matter. It's still yep. getting our attention, right? I still get it in my notifications tab and still Fox Sports does. So then I leave and, you know, Barstool's like, we're going to take the video. We're not going to put the video up. We're not going to post it. We're so sorry, blah, blah, blah. I'm in the cab going to the airport because I have to cover the Rays the next day. They're Mm. back home. You know, it's a Friday game. So I get a call from my boss down in Florida um, and I don't answer because I'm just, I have so much anxiety and my heart's pounding. He leaves a message. He's like, you need to call me back immediately. So I called him back immediately. And he's like, I just got an email from someone with the Rays that said, you made some comments and had a list of some comments that you made on a video podcast. Was that you? And I'm like, yes, sir. But can I please explain myself? I'm really sorry. I had no intention to offend anybody. Emily, I'm going to have to call you back. This isn't good. Mm. And before my flight even took off from New York, I was fired. Wow. So are you, so that was probably within less than two hours that I was fired. Less than two hours from the time you're done. Wow. What are you, what's happening immediately? Are you, there's gotta be so many range of emotions, uh, that are going through your mind. I mean, especially even that plane ride that you know that, oh gosh, this is how quickly and how powerful, a, how powerful words can be. Cause that's just whether we mean them or not. And I'm, I'm in the process of almost finishing my book. And I talk about a lot of the things my dad said that he didn't mean per se, even though he was under the influence, but there were still words that came out of his mouth. So the power of words and realizing in 2016 the power of the internet and how quickly things are traveling and in two hours like what's the emotions going on for you you have to i i, I can't even imagine it was the single most uh it was just the single worst moment of my life um you know i worked 14 years i worked 14 years to accomplish this dream and um it was taken away so fast and it deserved I deserve to be fired like don't don't get that like confused like I deserve these consequences and um people should have to like have consequences for their mistakes and their decisions you know that's part of life um I just had no intention and I'm just sitting there in this middle seat, of course, um, on the flight. Right. And I'm just like, oh, oh my God. I, I, like, like, who am I now? Like, yeah. you know, like you just have, you, you define yourself and, and, and think that your whole world is just gone because I define myself by my success as a sports reporter and who I was as a sports reporter. And, you know, looking back, I think that if I would have, you know, put my 
life in the hands of like being defined by a follower of Jesus Christ, then, then I, my world wouldn't have been shaken as much, but I define, I didn't define myself as that. I define myself as like, I'm a sports reporter. So when that was taken away, my world was crushed and it's your um, identity. It's your identity, right? Exactly. And yeah. it's like, you know, everybody goes through tough times in life and, um, struggles and everything, but, I use my career as an escape, just like a lot of these athletes. Sometimes the most successful athletes have been through some of the toughest times in life and they use their sport as an escape. Yeah. And I use my career through a lot of the tough times as my escape. Like, and it wasn't easy getting to where I was like the 14 years, like I grinded my butt off to get where I was. Like daddy didn't get me a job at Fox sports. That's right. You know, daddy didn't like, hand me my my career you know I've worked so hard for it and it's just like just the ignorance of me thinking that words aren't as powerful as they are and you know Jason like looking back you know 16 months later maybe in that moment maybe in that moment it was like I lost my career I'm destroyed I have nothing but now you know and learning all the lessons that I have through this experience is losing my career was not the, the worst part of this. It's not the hardest part. The worst part of this is, you know, being painted as this monster on social media, this, you know, yeah. this evil person and hurting so many people and understanding that my words offended so many people and ha not having the power to be able to take that back, you know, and the internet painted me as this monster. But Jason, guess who gave him the paint? Yeah. I did. Right. You know, and I, that's why I'm not sitting here and running away from this. This isn't even like Austin isn't even my real last name. I can run away from this probably pretty easily, but that's not how I was raised. And I was raised for when you make a decision, you stand by the consequences and you change the narrative and make it right. You know, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take ownership and accountability for my mistake we're not perfect, but at the same time, I think that there's a lot of good can, that can come out of mistakes that I didn't really understand earlier in my life. I've been in some situations, not as public, not nearly as public as this, but I've certainly done things in my life, especially in my earlier teens that I am not proud of. And I remember having to, to just confront my family over it. I'm wondering what that was like for you, talking to your family, your friends, trying to get in you know, ahead of this and knowing that, you know, before you're even landing, people could potentially have told your family before you could, they could even find out from you. What was that like? What was that, um, that time like for you? Yeah, probably the hardest thing. Um, yeah. cause you can't control it. Right. You're, right. Um, and I don't want people to feel bad for me again. I like did this to myself and I made the mistake. No one forced me to say or do anything. But, you know, this is real, right? Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person and I have a family and I have emotions and, um, I'm human. So I, it started taking, you know, picking up on social media Thursday night, um, on Friday morning when it went on deadspin and just started going to millions and millions of people, um, my mom like called me and just like hysterically screaming, crying, like what happened to my little girl, mm. you know? Mm. And I tell these kids all the time that I speak to like, yes, you're wearing that Alabama name on the front of your Jersey, but guess what? 
that name will go away in four or five years, maybe even less than that. There's a name on your back will never go. And that's, you know, what you need to play for. And if you're not going to respect and represent your university on the front or your network on the front, then you need to do it for the name on the back. Mm. Because you know how proud my mom was of me and my family for all that I accomplished on my own, you know, I mean, with their support, obviously, but you know, like the disappointment that I brought and I do missionary with my dad and, um, there's a huge, so many problems going on up in Alaska with, you know, suicide and drugs and alcohol abuse and domestic violence. So we did a missionary a couple years ago, um, during the summer, but where it is, is in the middle of nowhere, you don't have service. Mm. And, um, you know, my dad was there. So my dad didn't know what happened. He had no idea. Um, and I'm going downstairs to get a card that, but whenever all this was going viral that, that Friday, um, I stopped by my mailbox in St. Pete before I got in the car to drive to be with my mom in Atlanta. And in the mailbox was a card from my dad. And it said, um, in this card, again, he doesn't know. I pray daily that God's will manifests itself in your life. Mistakes are part of life and are meant to be learned from. As a father, I want to shelter you from making some of the mistakes I've made. But that isn't always possible. The most important life lessons I can pass along to you are trust God. He only wants what's best for you. Seek God. Know that you are loved. Family is important. You have so much going for you, and I can't begin to express how proud I am of the woman and person you've become. Your spunk, drive, smile, and laugh are all things I cherish. My love forever, Dad. Mm. So here I have this card talking about mistakes, and I'm like, tell me right now there isn't a God, right? right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, it stings. Like, I have to face my whole family and tell them about this mistake. And, you know, one of the reasons I took the job in Florida was to be with my grandmother and have her sit on her couch and watch me covering the rays. Like that was like the greatest dream come true. Right. And two months to the day that this went viral, she passed away and it was just staring at her in this casket thinking like you passed away, like so disappointed in me. And there's nothing I can do about that to prove it to you that like, I'm going to change my life around and I'm going to make up for this mistake. And it's just like so much disappointment is just, it's so overwhelming because, you know, and the people that know, you know, that this isn't who you are and what you represent. So it's just, it's drowning, you know, it yeah. really is just so, um, disappointing. And it, it's just, it's not something that's easy. No. And, and it's not easy, especially, I think the more you're less worried about the 1 million people that are saying whatever they're saying, or how many however how many people it is saying what they're saying on social media and you're more concerned about the three or four people that are closest to you in your life and i can totally mm-hmm. relate to that completely but as christians there's a perception from outsiders that we're you know we're held to higher standards we're supposed to mm-hmm. live a certain way we're, and we're not supposed to fall or make mistakes and i i've kind of seen that perception myself and that's a dangerous place to be perceived as because as Christians, we are no different than anybody else as far as being human and making mistakes. And we've obviously clarified that with what happened with you. But when you're going through what you're going through and all of what you just mentioned, especially the emotional side of talking to your family, even the aftermath, just losing the job, 
Where are you in your faith? And I'm talking about early on, not where you are now, but the first month or two or three, did, are you are you exploring faith here? Or are you just sort of in a dark place where you're pulling away from God? Or are you drawing closer to him? Where, where are you in that realm? No, I mean, I was in a very, very dark place. Um, hmm. I didn't, I've always been such a positive person and if you're depressed, why don't you just think happy thoughts? Like you need to wake up and be positive, go exercise. And it's just like, I have so much more understanding for people that like depression is real. And, and people that go through these struggles in life, I have so much, I have such a different, um, when you go through it yourself, you just have so much, not a different respect, but you just understand it, that it's real. And, um, I, I was in a really dark place. And if I did pray, it would be like, God, please don't let me wake up. Wow. Cause I don't want to kill myself. And I thought about that, you know, ways that I could in a way that it wouldn't hurt my family. And I would never do that because I couldn't hurt my family, but I would just pray that like, come on, like get me in a car accident. And, and, and then I would just have these thoughts, you know, you, this is ridiculous, Emily. There's so much other people that are going through way worse things. But the thing is, something that might be traumatic to you, is it's traumatic for you because it's your life and it's your feelings, right? So yeah. yep. you can't compare trauma and you can't compare, um, you know, failure. It's it's unique to whoever is experiencing it. So. I was in a very dark place and, um, you know, it was, it was really crazy to see all of the backlash and, and all of that, um, experiencing this failure from this poor decision, but the, the love and support that I received was just overwhelming and really what kept me alive. Um, to be honest with you, just who reached out and what they were saying and, um, I just didn't understand why God would want me to go through something like this. I just didn't, I just didn't understand it because it was everything to me, but I don't know if you remember earlier in this conversation when I, there was, there's always been something missing in my life. Mm. Always. Whenever I worked for golf channel, all I wanted to do was be on camera. Then I got the job in Amarillo and I was on camera, but I hated carrying that 30 pound camera. All I wanted was a cameraman. So then I got to Boston. I had two cameramen, but then I wanted to be back on TV. I didn't want to just be digital. So then I get to Fox sports and I'm at a regional network and I have cameramen. I have an audio guy. I have a producer. I have a director. I have all of it. And I'm on camera and I'm back on TV, but something was still missing. I wanted a bigger role. And the, what I've learned is that what's been missing is a relationship with God. And I think that God needed to take literally everything, everything away from me in terms of a career, my relationship, and just get my attention and like shake me and be like, I am what you need. I'm what mi I'm like, what's missing is me in your relationship with me. And I think that that's, and I'm, you know, like, that's just, I'm just now realizing that like probably this last month or two. Yeah. Um, but in the beginning, it was, it was, you know, when we go through these failures in life, no matter what the failure is, losing a job or, you know, getting those positive test results back for cancer, whatever it is, we question God immediately. And um, 
just the books that I've read and, and really, you know, going into religion and understanding um, God's word, it's just given me so much more clarity today. Yeah. I, so. it's, uh, it's amazing to see. It's just, it's really amazing to hear your story, number one, and, and the fact that God does sometimes do that to us. He does sometimes not in certain level, like it's easy to compare, right? So it's like, well, he took that thing away from that person, but it's not as much as he took away from me. But he realized God just wants us to put our, our full trust in him. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he does that and he works through that in different ways. For me, it might've been just by taking a leap of faith and leaving you know, my dream job. But for you, it literally is taking away everything that you had on this earth and saying, wait a minute, I'm enough. I have everything that you need right here in my word, you know, in my spirit. And that's, that's really something I want our listeners to grasp here is getting caught up in worldly things is, is normal. We all have that, but I think sometimes, and I I just want you to comment off of what I say here, Emily, I think sometimes we just need to remember that this life is like a vapor in the wind. It's going to be gone as quick as we get here. And if we, if our faith and our trust isn't in something bigger and, and more powerful and more eternal than that, then I don't know what, I, I don't, I just don't know how we can even function in a lot of ways, you know? I completely agree. I mean, I was searching for something that was pretty much right in front of my face, right? And it's not that I wasn't, I mean, I was doing missionary work and I was still going to church and I was just like, I I was still searching for this happiness and this purpose and this satisfaction in my career, in, in my relationship that I was in. But the, the, the truth is you're not going to find that in, in these things that can change and go away. You're only going to find that in Jesus. And I kind of knew that before. Um, and I wanted to believe in it and I was like, yeah, I believe that I trust you. But now, and it's hard, like it's hard. It's hard to sit back when you fail so badly. It's hard to be like, okay, I trust you that you got this. You know, and it's not like that every day. There's some days I wake up and I'm like, there's no way there's any good that's going to come out of this. Right. Um, But I sit there and I look at the, you know, situation that I'm in here in Atlanta and, um, like having uh, Louis Giglio speak every every week and and talking about you know how sometimes you got to go through the worst times of your life to get to the best and God only knows that because it's His plan and you know we're just so focused on this moment instead of the bigger picture. So at what point, Emily, do you take turn the corner? You know, because it was I think it was from June, you take a basically a social media sabbatical, which doesn't mean you necessarily weren't looking on social media or, or seeing what people might have been saying. But it wasn't until March of 2017. So the incident happens in June of 2016. March 2017 is the first time you kind of tweet again and kind of introduce yourself back into a social media world. And we talked about sort of what those early times were like, the dark places that you were in, in the dark darkness that was sort of living inside of you. But somewhere along the line, you take a turn, you, you take, you turn the corner and you sort of find yourself in in an opportunity to turn something so terrible into something good. When does that exactly happen for you? Was there a moment or person, an opportunity, or was it just something inside of yourself that you felt like, you know what, this is the time. Um, whenever this was going viral on June 10th of 16, I, 
was driving to Atlanta and I received a call from Michael Breed from the Golf Channel. And he's like, M, well, he calls me M Dog. <laughs> he said, right. M Dog, you're going to get through this and it's going to be very hard, but you're going to get through it. And I was like, Michael, this happened. Well, I call him Breeder. (laughs) Breeder, this happened so easily. I never thought something like this would happen to me. That's what everyone thinks, right? Like it's just, this would never happen to me. But it happened so easily and so quickly. I have to go speak to as many colleges and athletic departments as possible to share this message because I think a lot of people can learn from my mistake. Like this happens to a lot of people but not a lot of people really get fired for it. And, you know, these kids and these student athletes work and and play this sport for what, like 10, 15 years, their entire lives. And then they send one tweet and they get kicked off of a team. And I'm just like, it's just so, it can happen so easily. So I'm going to speak to every country, every college in the country, as soon as I get back on my feet. That was on the day it was going viral. Wow. Um, Wow. So I, no one told me like, you know, my agency dropped me. They didn't as they should, but I'm just saying like, no one was like, Emily, this is going to be great PR control. No, I am doing this out of the goodness of my heart. And I was doing it before I sent that first tweet about speaking at the university of Florida. I just, I was terrified, Jason. I was terrified to go back on social media because I knew that there would be backlash. And it was something that I wasn't confident enough at the time in that first initial period of I can I knew that I wouldn't be able to handle it again. I and I still receive these messages every morning I wake up to one. But and I but I'm confident and I'm and I'm I have to I have to I have to look forward. I cannot keep looking back to the past and feeding into this backlash. So I've kind of just you know, now that I have my confidence back, I've kind of just moved on. And if I can do something to change one person's mind, then I will. But that's not my goal with this speaking. My goal is to have people learn from my mistake and help as many people along the way because you're not going to change everyone's mind. And that's hard for me to understand. I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to know that that's not who I am. But that's people are going to have their judgments. Um, and really, I've gotten the forgiveness from the one person that matters most. So mm-hmm. that's what I, ha- I have to keep that type of mindset. Well, that's the beautiful story of Jesus to me is that he, he, you know, he died for all of us and he offers us that forgiveness. He offers us that redemption. And often in our lives, they're filled with moments when we take our mess. You hear it, it's a kind of a cliche, our mistakes and turn it into a, our message, something positive that can glorify God. And for mm-hmm. you, that redemption has come in the form of being a public speaker giving talks at colleges, like you said, about what you learned from your mistake. How did, how did that first opportunity come about? And then did it spiral? And, and I know I'm asking a few questions, which is what you're not supposed to do when you're interviewing someone. <laughs> I know that. But how does it come about the, the original first time? And then it seems to spiral here into a ton of opportunities. Are people calling you now? Or are you, you making these calls on your own and offering yourself up as someone who can make a difference? Tell me how that process has been going. So I originally, I think this was back last August, I reached out to Florida Atlantic because I, that's my alma mater. I'm right. like, I want to go and speak for you guys. And they're like, mm, let's give it some air, yeah. you know, because I mean, think about, think about it. Like, look at where our country is. There's a, a lot of colleges today. They're like, we can't bring you in because of what you said. Mm. And I, that's 
something that I have to accept and understand. But I called Florida Atlantic. They weren't really feeling it at first. So they gave me the name of this guy, Chris Yandel. And he was previously at Baylor, Miami, um, and like sports information director for these schools and Louisiana Lafayette. And he had just gotten released by Georgia Tech. So I was like, oh, boom, he's right here in Atlanta. I need to meet up with him. So he had a bunch of contacts in the business and um, he was, you know, reaching out and like, hey, Emily has a great message and I think that you should bring her in, blah, blah, blah. So we just kind of, he just kind of blast emailed everybody that he knew and I booked the universe or Nickel State University was my first one. Okay. Um, <laughs> the timing could not have been worse because we booked it a couple months out, I think, but my grandmother had passed away and I had to go directly from her funeral to go to this first speech. Mm. It, and it was my first time in public talking about it. And it was, I mean, it was great because I, the, the, the feedback was overwhelmingly positive, but it was just the hardest thing to talk about, um, with the timing. But then I spoke at Hartford, um, in Connecticut and I was like, I can't do this. This is too tough. Mm. There's just no way. Um, I'm, I'm happy that I helped the people that I did at those two universities, but I'm, I can't talk about this. Um, it was just too much personally for me to relive this nightmare. Um, and I went back to Amarillo because an arena football team there, the owners called me and they're like, we know this isn't who you are. We want you to cover our arena football team for a couple months. Went back to Amarillo and I just fell into the deepest, darkest depression there. Um, and they wanted me to do stuff on social media and, and their, their accounts and everything. And I was like, I can't do any videos. I can't post online. Like what happens if somebody, all this comes up again and backlash, I just can't, I can't handle it. So it was just, it was just not the right time. So I just started emailing in February, every university in Florida, Florida wrote me back. <laughs> the hmm. University of Florida wrote me back and they're like, can you come next Wednesday? I'm like, wait, what? Wow. So you finally so, get the call from Florida, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Uh, I'm flying from Amarillo. <laughs> right. Is that okay? So once I spoke at Florida, that was in February, um, it was just amazing. And like, I could just tell that and and just from what the guys all said after and the coaches, it just really resonated with them. And they're like, you have something special. And I just prayed a lot at this point. I was in a great Bible study and starting my therapy up in Texas, but I just prayed a lot about making this decision. Um, should I move back to Atlanta and do this full time? Mm. And I did. And I took the, you know, took the jump to come back here. And I just thought, mm, traveling out of Atlanta might be a little bit easier than Amarillo, Texas. That is true. So, um, so yeah, I came back to Atlanta and you know how many universities I can drive to, you know, and there's flights literally nonstop everywhere. So I sat down, printed out a list of D1 universities in the country and just started emailing anyone that I thought would handle speakers at that university and athletic departments. And it kind of just started taking off. And now I have, you know, people, you know, saying, Hey, you need to bring in Emily and then they'll call, you know, it's not, yeah. it's still a lot of work, but it wasn't just hand again. It wasn't just handed to me. That's just kind of who I am. And, and you got to work for what you want. So that's what I've been doing. What have you learned about forgiveness in the past year? 
It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Um, some people aren't willing to forgive and that's okay. I am not on tour to prove that I'm not a quote unquote racist. I'm not on tour for people to feel bad for me that I ruined my life right. with this one decision. Um, you know, if I could, I would go and do anything that it would be possible to change these haters on me, change their mind about me. But how realistic is that? I can't use my energy towards trying to change someone that doesn't want to forgive me. It kind of comes in their time. And I choose to use my energy towards people who I could help and um, who are willing to give me a second chance. And um, to me, Jason, actions speak louder than words. I can sit here and tell you all the missionary and tell you that the day before this happened, I was building a bed with my church for African-American families in St. Pete whose children are sleeping on the floor. Right. Like, is that, does that prove that I'm not racist? Does it prove that I'm not racist? Because I studied Spanish and lived with women that I have did not know f for a minute before I walked in their house in Spain, you know, like yeah. to learn their culture and learn their language. That's not going to prove to you that I'm racist or not, or that I'm a good person. It's action. And, um, you know, I'm with this, I've partnered with this organization called Hands and Feet. And it's based, or it's, um, well, it's based in Nashville, but they help orphanages in Haiti. And, you know, I, I just think that forgiveness is something that, like I said, takes time, but you have to want to forgive and not everybody wants to forgive. And, you know, the people that are willing to forgive, if I can make an impact on their lives, then that's all that matters, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if people want to eventually come back around and forgive me, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But right now, like, I want to do what I can to use my energy and um, focus on helping this orphanage in Haiti. And it's something that's crazy, like how, how God really knows what he's doing. And I like research this, um, this, you know, going to Haiti and doing a missionary there and I see hands and feet and couldn't make it happen in February. So then I talked to a friend who has a charity, uh, young and brave out in LA. And he's like, Oh, you should do this, uh, this missionary with hands and feet project in Haiti. I'm like, Oh my God, I was really lo already looking into them. And then I read Tim Tebow's book mm -hmm. and the first chapter talks about Mark Stewart and, you know, the challenge that he had to overcome, you know, with ending his career in music and then finding his purpose in hands and feet. And I'm like, okay, this is a calling. So <laughs> there's just, th right? Like there's just things that you can use your energy towards and you just got to pray for forgiveness for those that, that won't. Do you want to get back into broadcasting? Do you think, do you think you get a second chance? Is that still this sort of drive and dream for you or has that kind of taken, you know, sort of a backseat for you? It is. It always will be a dream of mine. Um, and yes, I accomplished it once. I need to accomplish it again. Yeah. Um, probably not until the one year mark. So about four months ago, was I like, okay, I need to start my, you know, I, I need to start getting back into reporting because I felt that when I went to Amarillo that time and I was just like, oh, I'm going to try to get my reporting career back. Well, I wasn't ready. 
And I want to make sure that if I get back into the industry, I do it because it's something that I want to do, not to prove to everyone that I can screw up this bad and come back. Um, I want it to be genuine. And I do miss it. I miss it every single day, every single time I'm I'm watching TV or watching a game. Um, But I just felt like with this message that I have, it's most important to focus on helping people instead of just like, oh, okay, time to get my career back. See ya. You know, I, mm-hmm. I really need to use my platform that I have. And, and yeah, this has been a really, really tough lesson. But I'm in a position now, and I'm thankful to be in that position now, to help other people learn from something that is – I would never want anyone to go through this. And like I said, it's so easy to, to happen. So, yes, I do want to have um, – a career in reporting and sports reporting. Um, I just, it's going to take one person to give me a second chance and I need a second chance. You know, I need, I need someone to believe in me that, um, this wouldn't, nothing like this would ever happen again. And that I'm going to change the narrative until somebody, somebody gives me that second chance. Emily, I really appreciate you joining us here on the podcast and, and sharing your story. And as we wrap it up, uh, and we ask this question, our, this final question to all of our guests here on the podcast, and I'm just really curious about your answer for you during these last few months and even you know in this moment, in this time that you're in right now, in this sort of waiting period, what has God been teaching you right now? What have you been learning from the Lord? You know, I've, man, where do I even start? I mean, I've just learned that it's not my plan, you know, and I put so much time and effort into this is the plan that I have, and this is how I'm going to accomplish it, and this is what's going to happen with my reporting career. This is my next step, and I think that I've learned that God was like, okay, <laughs> mm. I'll tell you who's in charge of your plan, and it's hard. I, I mean, I'm not a controlling person, but I like to be in control of you know, my career and my life and, and everything. And I think that it's been very, very difficult to learn to just let go and trust him. Um, it's very, I mean, it still is a very big challenge for me. And I've learned that sometimes life just doesn't go your way. And, and um, you, you just have to take it one step at a time and, and trust in the Lord that his plan is, is going to have such a bigger impact. And um, it's not just about, I've learned that it's not just about finding happiness because happiness comes and goes in life. It's about finding like a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose. Mm. I've learned and quite, I mean, the books that I've read just have opened my eyes so much about like, what is my meaning and my purpose? What could, what could come from this? That's good. And, you know, the impact that I'm having on this hands and feet charity, I, I like to think is, is awesome. And, and part of the good that's starting to come from this and, you know, going to Haiti in November will, will change so many lives there. So I think that it's just the main spark note is just trust in his plan because it's not all about what you think is right. And, and you can have all your dominoes in a line and they might be a little bit out of order for what God has in store for you. And, it's tough. It's really tough to, yeah. to 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 believe in that and accept it. And I'm a very impatient person too. So I'm like, okay, you know, I've been praying and praying and praying about like, what do you want to do with my life? 
and patience is just so important during times like this and just really just that stillness and listening and and waiting for what your purpose really is because maybe reporting isn't what God wants me to do. Maybe, you know, continuing with missionary work is and doing something with production and video content and and missionary is where I'm supposed to be. And and if this didn't happen, then I would have woken up when I was 60 years old and been like, oh. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it sucks that this happened at such a young age. And But I'm so happy that I've learned these lessons now versus, you know, 40 years from now or 30 years from now. So, but... I mean, it's just, it's just his plan and it's not mine. And, and that's just been a big lesson through, through all of this. Emily, thank you for being on the Sports Spectrum podcast. I really do appreciate it. I enjoyed hearing your story and uh, I really am uh, excited to see what God's got planned for you in the future. Thank you for being on the show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. And we do thank Emily Austin for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum podcast. And I do pray, I pray that she, um, that she's able to turn her life around and uh, truly change the narrative in her mistake, uh, what she said, and and bringing awareness to that, that words, words matter. You know, words can build us up or words can tear us down, as the song goes. And uh, I think in life, it's better that we look towards building people up uh, with our words and encouraging others. So we thank Emily for that and uh, pray that her um, her, you know, message continues to, to permeate into, uh, the hearts of people and, uh, help them realize how important words, uh, can really do damage or uh, can really shine a light into other people's lives. We thank you for listening to the sports spectrum podcast. As always, you can reach us on Twitter at sports underscore spectrum. My Twitter is at Jason Romano. All of our content is found at sportspectrum.com. And of course, leave a review on iTunes. Let us know what you thought of the interview. Let us know what you think of the podcast, any ideas for guests that you have, any thoughts on a story that you want us to cover. We always love hearing from you. So check us out, sportspectrum.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Podcast.